एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं why did you take because boss that's our future generation you know our generation has messed up this country we don't want the next generation to continue doing that and you have a dividend you have a demographic dividend you have a sweet spot why the hell can't you do good for this next generation these are your kids in a way the role of an investor is very much like the role of a doctor the investor support starts right from birthing the startup and like any good doctor he will at times encourage you and at times prescribe you bitter medicine in this episode akshadat has a candid and no holds barred conversation with one of the most famous doctor investors in the startup ecosystem dr anirudha malpani listen to this fascinating conversation giving an insight into both the world of medicine and the world of angel investment and don't forget to subscribe to the show through hdsmartcast.com apple spotify or wherever you get podcasts so hi guys i am dr anirudh malpani I have the best job in the world. I get women pregnant and their husbands pay me to do that for them. So that's my day job as an IVF specialist and uh I'm now an active angel investor as well. So it's like the best of so many different worlds. So you know, I just have fun every day when I get up in the morning, look forward to what's going to be new. Okay, so great to have you on the show. Um I want to start by bringing your childhood memories back to you. You know, what do you remember about childhood and what kind of family did you grow up in? Hmm. Uh, are you from like a family of doctors or all memories are fabrications? Yeah, that's Because true. we reconstruct all our memories. So, you know, I mean, obviously this is not going to be a very factual account and with all of us you know we reconstruct them so we remember the happy things we tend to forget but yes no. yes so both my parents are doctors so it was and remember in those day and age and i'm not going to tell you how old i am it is pretty much assumed that if you were bright you either became a doctor or an engineer and if you weren't bright then you did a bcom and maybe became an accountant or a lawyer or something else no kidding apart so uh and you know i mean it's actually such a great profession or maybe i should rephrase that it's i think it used to be such a great profession it still is because the emotional income you get as a doctor is unbeatable i'm not complaining about the financial income but quite frankly there are lots of other ways of getting richer quicker with much less effort 
But, you know, when a patient tells you to your face, hey, thank you so much, doctor. Every time I see my baby, I remember you. Uh, you know, what could give you more pleasure than that? I, unfortunately, what's happened is people have started discounting the emotional income and worrying too much about the financial income. And then I think the medical profession is really not perhaps the best choice for very intelligent, hardworking students. And the reality is to get into medical college, you need to be intelligent. You need to be hardworking. So what did you do for higher studies? Like once you finish school? Are you doctor ka to koi choice hi nahi hai na? Um, uh, so this was uh, after school, you did your 10th and that's the time when we had the 10 plus 2. So went to Jehan College for doing your HSC 12 because I was pretty sure I didn't want to go abroad and I wanted to stay on and become a doctor in India, which means you need to go to an Indian medical college, which in those days were pretty much only government medical colleges. So you had to do well, but you know, by the grace of God, I did. So went to St. G.S. Medical College or KEM Hospital in Mumbai. So that's five and a half years, did my MBBS, got lots of gold medals along the way. Then, so then what do you do as post-graduation? So I did OBGYN, that's gynecology, just like my mom. Exciting field. You know, you help new life come into this world. And it's a very happy specialty, unlike lots of others. Uh, you know, whatever you may say, it's, uh, these, are, these are kids who have 70 years of their life or 80 years and now maybe 90 ahead of them. And you're helping them giving birth. So, so very, like I said, emotionally very exciting. And in those days, IVF was brand new. Uh, while I was a resident, there was the first IVF baby in India. And, uh, you know, this was what all the medical journals and articles. There was a little mystique about it because no one spoke about what was involved. A bit like black magic, if not like a black box. Says, so, oh, this is great. You know, we should be doing this for Indian patients. And when I say we... By that time, after I finished, I got married. So my wife, Dr. Anjali, she was my batchmate in uh, uh, MBBS and MD. So now I know her for way too many years now. But uh, so we so we both of us did gynecology. And, you know, she was very sure that what we needed to do was IVF, which is what we did and which is what we've been doing, which I thought was a great decision. So, uh, like, you decided to bring IVF to India in what capacity? As an employee of a hospital? No, or... no, no. So, that was very clear. So, like I said, you know, my mom and dad read, ran their own nursing home. So, in one sense, they were entrepreneurs. And I definitely didn't want to work for a large corporate hospital. Uh, again, in those days, there weren't too many, for number one. So, most of them were just trust hospitals. But a lot of political backbiting and all kinds of things, you know, so they all look very exciting and great from the outside. But on the inside, really, all they do is clip your wings and you're pretty much a widget and they expect you to keep in line. So we're very sure we wanted to start for ourselves. And that's why, you know, Sanjali got a Bombay University fellowship. Uh, she went to King's College. I went to California, uh, did a lot of stuff hands on. Says, how do we actually implement this? We can't. We can't copy and paste what they do in the US and UK. We don't have that kind of infrastructure. Even if we bought the stuff, we wouldn't be able to maintain it. And remember, this was way back. So we finished about 85, 86, finished TMD then, and then said, okay, what do we do? So you need further training. None of this was available. And people were doing stuff in India, but it was very much behind closed doors. Uh, so uh, therefore, we started. So we weren't the first IVF clinic. There were other clinics also, but still one of the handful of the first few ones. I think what differentiated us was because we'd spent time abroad. How much time abroad? So uh, all put together, I would say a total of about a year. So we weren't actually doing, uh, you know, so a lot of it was a clinical observership. 
And that's the other thing we decided because otherwise if you want to train in the US clinically, then you know you have to pay your dues, which means you first have to spend four years doing a residency, doing all the gadamajuri which the hospital wants you so that then you can specialize in what you want to. We didn't want to do that. So we said we have the existing infrastructure. And the thing is, if you learn, perhaps you'll end up learning all the wrong things because we can't replicate this. So we said we need to go to multiple different centers to pick and choose what we can learn and adapt and evolve. So you went to some very small centers because it's easier to copy and paste what they do. Why did they agree to uh, allow you to come and observe? So again, like, that's again very different. See, a lot of hospitals are very academic. And unfortunately, that's not true in India, uh, which is tragic in one sense. Uh, you know, people encourage you to learn for yourself. So as long as your credentials are fine and as long as you're not touching their patients, because then that gives them medical legal liability. Hey, if you want to come and watch, come and watch. You know, you want to learn by osmosis, please go ahead. Okay. So you would just like cold call them or write them an email or a, a no emails, with... no emails in those days. Oh, yes, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. This was still on a typewriter and you know, we'd like to come and so okay. Yeah, and you had to think twice before making long distance phone calls because those were expensive. But how did you fund it then? Oh, like I said, you know, my parents are very supportive. So that's that's what they wanted. I mean, they were the ones who were pushing and said, you know, why don't you go learn bring these skills back with you and then we'll see so so there was a lot of advantages which they provide they provided that sound base that you had an existing clinical infrastructure you could do things independently you didn't have to worry about making ends meet you had the money and then they would give you the clinical freedom to be able to say okay fine let's see what we can do what we can't do what works what doesn't work and a lot of that is trial and error but because you're doing it in a clinical setting with your mother being there you know who's a senior gynecologist so that makes a world of a difference. So a lot of it is then, okay, fine, this will work, not work. So you, you spent a year outside to absorb how uh, the world is doing IVF and yes. then you launched it in India when you came yes, back? Yes, yes, yes. And again, so again, interesting history. One of the things when we'd gone abroad was there was a clinic in the UK called Midland Fertility in Birmingham which needed Indian sperm samples because as you know, in Birmingham, there are lots of Indian people staying there and lots of them are infertile about 10% of the married couples are infertile and a lot of them needed donor sperm samples but they didn't have many donor sperm samples from Indians so one of the things uh, and the name of this doctor was Dr. Peter Bromwich from Midland Fertility he says I need to you know source sperm samples from Indians so I said yeah that's something we'd be happy to do and this is very early days you know where uh, donor insemination was a taboo topic in India. Uh, so when he came down, he actually came down with a BBC crew, which were filming, you know, what he was doing in order to get sperm samples for the couples whom he needed to treat. Uh, so then Indian journalists said, oh, what's the BBC doing in this little clinic in the middle of nowhere? You know, who'd heard of us? No one. So then they'd found out. And then we said, yeah, we're starting a sperm bank. So, whoa, what's that? We've heard of blood banks. We've heard of uh, not HDFC in those days, but, you know, we've heard of SBI. What does a sperm bank do? Why do you need a sperm bank? And therefore, we spent a lot of time. And as it happened, because we were the first doing the sperm bank thing, uh, there was a lot of press. And a lot of our time was spent in educating people about taboo topics about what a sperm bank is and what IVF is and very, very early days. And therefore, a lot of our focus was on what I call information therapy, on educating patients. So I always think in the healthcare ecosystem, the patient should be at the heart of it. 
how how did you educate patients so great so the first thing we did was write a book many many years ago so now we've written lots of books our first book was getting pregnant uh how to have a baby and uh, you know again did extremely well because like i said infertility really was a topic which no one wanted to talk about even though it was so surprisingly common to tum mandir jate ho masjid jate ho minnat mangte ho aur kya karte ho because no one knew what to do and gynecologists honestly didn't have much to offer in those days and ivf was a big breakthrough but there were so many myths and misconceptions and there still are about ivf so we had so the book was a big step and then those those days you know the internet was opening up so uh, i had one of the first few i don't know whether you remember those dial up modems on uh, 8 yes. kpbs and twang, 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 and then i had a vsnl account and uh so there was a lot of it in the first few days and one of the things we started was a patient education library which again was the first in india and still is that uh, everyone knew medical libraries educate doctors but there's so much information for patient education especially written in the us and uk and that's the one thing we learned that doctors respected patients and took time and trouble to understand what their personal preferences were in india everyone has a very paternalistic approach so we had a lot of these books we started what's called the health education library for people which still runs like an offline library it's a real world digi- oh, yeah it's a real world library it's it's and our hope and dream was that uh, every hospital would have this patient education library because doctors are too busy they don't have the time and they don't even care stupid question yeah yeah go ask my assistant or whatever and we said you know it's not good it's not good for the patient not good for the doctor because if something goes wrong that patient will not forgive you so why don't hospitals actually start patient education libraries uh, you know anyway patients and their relatives are hanging around they have questions no one's answering them and the doctor doesn't need to waste his time there's a nurse or an assistant who will help the patient find the information they want 80% of your questions will be answered so then you're only asking the more sophisticated you know ones relevant to your needs again very foreign concept no hospital was into even the yeah great dr malpani great idea and so i think that's one of my failures so i learned a lot by what didn't work uh, but anyway so that was one thing then we went to pharma companies saying why don't you sponsor this yeah yeah dr malpani of course you know as pharma companies we want to put patients first all bs all they want to post is their investors and their bottom line and therefore all they care about is you know doctors and how can we get doctors to prescribe our medicines for which obviously all we need to do is bribe doctors you know what do we care about the patients and it was it was just throughout you know through this thing, which is fine you know i'm i'm a realist so i always think of what could have been and didn't so i think of myself as a failure you know what what didn't i manage to do in order to convince people that this was a worthwhile investment so we started the library which we still run then we wrote lots of books and all these books are now available online for free the website is thebestmedicalcare.com so we wrote books on for doctors on successful medical practice where the message was the most important thing in your practice is your patients everything else is paperwork the tragedy is that that's not what we are doing uh, in one sense the medical profession has sold itself out uh, you know cards kickbacks commissions where is the professional integrity you know you bend over backwards for politicians i mean just look what's happening during this covid 19 ah to make me get started uh breaks my heart but but uh, but so and and it's actually getting worse it's getting progressively worse because even these young medical students what are their role models what are they looking up and now you know everyone wants to buy a medical seat so you start off on the wrong foot 
So anyway, I'll come back to that. So again, the books are there. So there's a book called Information Therapy. If you can, you know, take me through the milestones of uh, the Dr. Malpani Clinic. Like, when did you officially launch the clinic? And, you know, what was the growth like in that? And again, I'm like, you know, this is a business podcast. So to some extent, I'm also asking you, how did it do as a business? Uh, in terms of- So, you know, one thing you must remember is the past doesn't repeat itself. And therefore, I think the lessons which people should take, they should take with a very large pinch of salt. Because if I was starting an IVF clinic today, what I would do would be very different from when we started it 30 years ago, because everything was different 30 years ago. And you were first movers in the market. Yeah, exactly. There weren't too many, a lot of your time. Now everyone at least knows, IVF clinic. so your messaging is different. Uh, we were the first ones to have a website. Uh, run up, you know, this thing now to everyone copies and pastes everything we put up. So I always say, yeah, yeah, imitation is the best form of flattery. But uh, so, so in those days, as I said before, our primary focus was on educating patients. See, we've never given a single naya pesa as a cut or a kickback or a commission to any doctor. Now, even in those uh, in those days when we started, you know, this kickback system had become pretty rampant. Hmm. You started by. Converting your parents' clinic into like Dr. Malpani. Yes, yes, yes. So again, uh, we said, you know, why are we doing OBGYN? We don't want to do that. We only want to do IVF. This is such a cool thing to do. And there's so many patients. And, you know, because of that sperm bank and because of all those articles, we actually started getting direct patients directly from day one, uh, which is very unusual. Trust me. In retrospect, you realize how unusual it was. We didn't even realize because it just kind of, you know, when things fall into your lap, you say, huh, kya badi baat hai? Uh, but anyway, so uh, so a lot of patience, a lot of this thing. It was the two of us. We had to figure a lot of stuff out, a lot of heartburn, a lot of mistakes. In those days, even to import stuff was such a nightmare, not even funny, because you had to go to the customs officer and explain to him, kya hai? Sometimes you had to bribe them. Iska shelf life sif, teen, do, ek India mein banta nahi hai. Agar import nahi karenge to, you know, in IVF clinic nahi chalega. We used to have liquid nitrogen containers. Now, to all this is very mainstream. You can pick up a phone and order all these disposables and culture medium. In those days, you couldn't. So, uh, a lot of it was on establishing things. And a lot of it was Gada Majuri, which I think is true for everyone doing something new. It's like, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you need to set up last mile logistics. There's lots of stuff you need to learn, learn by doing. No other way by learning that stuff. But like I said, that's so much as past history. Uh, there was a lot of mistakes we made. But I think the good thing is we could we could correct a lot of those mistakes. Because again, it was the two of us. We didn't have to worry. We didn't have to take shortcuts. So by when did you like, you know, get the major part of your initial setup done and started like, you know, going into the scale up mode? So, okay, great, great question. So the question is what your definition of scale up is. So my definition of scale up, and we've had lots of these questions, you know, why don't you start a chain of clinics? So many other people are doing it. Isn't that the right thing? You know, you can scale up in breadth and you can scale up in depth. And our idea of scale up has been very different. Uh, Idea of scale up is what gives us pleasure, what allows us to provide the best care possible for our patients. Uh, And that's something we don't want to compromise on. So again, one way of doing it is to train lots of doctors or the other thing of doing it is to start a franchisee kind of system. And we get all those requests. We said, that's not the reason why, you know, I don't practice medicine for money anymore. Uh, God has been kind, the, you know, been 
investing in the listed space for donkey's years now which has been doing very well so the my passive income uh is actually far more than my professional income uh so i i continue doing ivf because i enjoy it and then i can tell people look this is the right thing to do don't don't cheat patients don't take shortcuts and i'm not very popular amongst doctors let me tell you that uh because i call people out about cuts and kickbacks and I actually say it's you know giving a kickback, a kickback is a stupid thing to do you're signing away 50% of your income for the rest of your life this is a race to the bottom what professional self esteem do you have if you start doing things because the gp tells you are ye patient ke liye ivf karo aur 4 lakh charge karo aur mujhko usme se 2 lakh do achhi acha bakra hai kaato whether that guy whether that couple needs ivf doesn't need ivf all kinds of things so you know interestingly there are two groups of patients who get terrible medical care in india the very poor because they can't afford it and the very rich because they kind of say yeah we are going to the best doctor now the best doctor is a brand name doctor may not be the best but uh, anyway so 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 many so therefore like i said so we've we've been lucky in the sense you know we've been able to maintain ethical principles we've been able to walk our talk it's not just theory so i want to know that you know you are an angel investor which means that you need to start with money how did you earn that money so initially all the money we earned was professional income that's the only source of income for a doctor the difference is that we didn't डॉक्टर्स आर डेली वेज ऑनर्स अक्षय यस एब्सोल्युटली काम करो पैसा मिलेगा नहीं करो तो गया पैसा ऐसा देन व्हाट टेरेबल एंड यू नो आई मीन फॉर्चूनेटली लॉट ऑफ माय फ्रेंड्स आर आर यू नो स्टॉक मार्केट इन्वेस्टर्स आई रीड अ लॉट ऑफ बुक्स अ लॉट ऑफ दैट मेड अ लॉट मोर सेंस टू मी हाउ डू यू जनरेट पैसिव इनकम एंड यू नो यू आइदर डू इट थ्रू रियल एस्टेट व्हिच आई डिडंट लाइक इट ऑल और पब्लिक मार्केट्स व्हिच आई थॉट वाज ग्रेट सो द वैल्यू इन्वेस्टिंग पीस मेड अ लॉट ऑफ सेंस नो ब्लैक मैजिक अबाउट दैट and uh, one of my friends rakesh junjunwala so apne ko to kuch samajhta nahi hai to but you know okay so blindly trusted him like i said god was kind the markets have kept on doing very well as the indian economy has done very well so whatever professional income we had i didn't buy a new car or anything else didn't need to buy a new clinic or buy a new house so we invested that in the public markets as a result of which that corpus has just kept on growing and therefore even the dividends i get from my uh public markets is more than you know a doctor would earn on their professional practice and not that ivf doctors don't earn well we do uh and you could each, you know so quite frankly to answer your question how many patients do we see we do about 300 cycles a year but you know what akshay overnight i could increase that to 3000 if i wanted all i would know is to give a kickback to every doctor to refer a patient to me this you know we have a great reputation we've been doing this for 30 years everyone's heard of us but abhi gp kya ultimately when you are infertile what do you do you either go to your gp or your gynecologist who does your initial workup then the gp or gynecologist say okay are you know you need ivf then the next thing is kiske paas jaye ha humne dr malpani ke baad suna are yaar wo to acha nahi hai uske paas mat jao acha kyun nahi hai kyunki wo humko cut nahi deta hai which of course you're not going to say so that same gp who will refer his own bhabhi to me for the treatment will never send a patient to me which is fine uh but uh, so therefore then you know so then all our patients are either word of mouth or you know because of the online stuff and they appreciate the fact that we're open and frank and you know put our patients first so it all kind of ties in so i think this entire metric of how many cycles you do is ridiculous 
and and quite frankly akshay is that if i wanted to maximize see the trouble is vanity metric means what that's what you focus on so if tomorrow my focus was maximizing my number of ivf cycles then every patient who walked into my clinic i would treat as a bakra and converter to ivf and i could do that very easily akshay but i don't i tell a lot of patients hey don't be stupid you don't need ivf you can make a baby in your bedroom why do you want to waste your money now some patients appreciate that some patients think this guy is an idiot and go to someone else you know good for them i don't care i don't need to do this for either a vanity metric or make money or any more so to that extent i'm blessed akshay and that's always been true it's you're right it's not like my passive income was that much when we started it was significantly less but i didn't need to scrabble for a living like i said my parents are well off uh, and they said do what is right you know forget about everything else we don't care uh, so uh, does that answer your question or yes 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 it does so uh, why not uh, look at an ethical scale up i mean it could be ah great question to... great so we tried that also mm-hmm. so we mm-hmm. said yes what does an ethical scale up require akshay it requires patient capital hmm right yeah patient capital is not available in this country Uh, if you take money from a vc to wo 5 saal ke andar puchne wala hai doctor sahab are yaar ek clinic ke do hi clinic kare wo to usne 10 clinic kar dale usne to 100 clinic ever clinic mein karta kya hai patient ko kaatta hai ye karta hai that you don't care mujhe kuch lena dena nahi to mere return of investment ki baat karo you could have put your own money uh, like if patient capital is not available externally that, that could have been Yes, so patient capital is now available with me internally, but I'm too old to do this now. So I don't want to do it. So for me, the most important thing in my life at this stage is my reputation. You're right. If I had that same amount of money, maybe 20 years ago, which was personal money, which I could afford to invest without this thing, then I might have thought about it. But you know, I'll tell you another thing. All this stuff requires a lot of energy and running around and stuff. Like it requires a certain temperament. as this is what i want to do and i don't think i necessarily have that i want to do what is right for my patient and whether it's one patient or a hundred patient so i care much more about depth and quality than i care about quantity so it'd be great if i could find someone else who thought the same way you know who said yes this makes sense this is what i want to replicate but it's not easy a lot of people think i'm a crackpot so have your children followed your footsteps in terms of joining them no and i told them don't do medicine uh that was very sure about so both you know so my older one uh she got into medicine we said don't take it uh and i'll tell you why the writing on the wall is what does anyone respect a doctor anymore what have we doctors done to our own medical profession the first thing is everyone yaar ye paise kamane ke liye kar raha hai test ki order kar raha hai tragically people trust dr google more than they trust their doctor because we doctors have we doctors have let our patients down we've lost their trust all these are open secrets the step number one is acknowledge the fact that there is rubbish going on a which we conveniently turn a blind eye to two it's the own leaders in our own medical profession who are often the most corrupt which is how you become the president and the chairman of all these societies because you know you keep each other happy and okay this year you get elected next year you elect me and then you have this nexus with the pharma companies who Why do doctors require pharma companies to sponsor medical conferences? Can you please explain that to me? हम कोई भिकारी है क्या? And आजकल तो webinar के लिए लोग 
फार्मा कंपनी की स्पॉन्सरशिप मांग रहे हैं बाकी सब लोग कर रहे हैं हम क्यों नहीं करेंगे यू नो अभी तो ठीक है चलो कोई बैंकॉक और पेरिस नहीं भेजेगा लेकिन यू नो ऑब्वियसली दर इज मनी चेंजिंग हैंड्स बट ए दे रिफ्यूज यू नो दिस इज अम्प्लीट ऑस्ट्रिच इन दैंड एटीट्यूड नो वन डेज कॉल एनी वन एल्स आउट बिकॉज ऑल इक्वली करप्ट एंड इफ आई ट्राई डूइंग दैट डॉक्टर मालपानी योर एनी वे सो योर वट वट ऑल काइंड ऑफ थिंग्स योर you're a snake in the medical profession you are you're stabbing your colleagues in the back i said how by telling the truth yeah aren't you like uh, passing on your bias to your kids i mean you know this is great question so i told them this is the writing on the wall we've been blessed and we've been very fortunate and god has been kind and you know but look the whole point is you need to skate to where the puck is going to be this is not what the situation is going to be when you guys are going to start practice which is you know my older one is now 30 sorry she'll kill me for saying that anyway so this is when she would have started uh, practicing medicine in 2020 what would she do poor thing you know she'd be filling up forms she'd be answering what some government bureaucrat in their wisdom decided should be done shouldn't be done pretty miserable life uh and 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 she's done very well for herself so he said forget it so she did her undergrad got a scholarship went to oxford uh did a bsc in immuno uh, masters in immunology from oxford then said i don't like this so then she did a masters in environmental science from cambridge so i don't like this so then she worked for 5 years in london in a social impact fund of funds called big society capital I said that's great, but you know what? I need to do something else. So then she went to Stanford to did a do her MBA, and got married in the process. And now she's an entrepreneur and she makes films. So I'm very proud of her. You know, if if she'd done what I told her to do, she'd have got stuck in a rut, and she'd have cursed me every single day of her life. I did this because you told me, Daddy, and now look where I'm stuck. Yeah, and and that's true for my younger one. she did her undergrad in bombay we said please do your undergrad in bombay because you know sometimes you do your undergrad in the us we can afford to send you but then it's mostly party time so you need to be a little mature and then she did a masters at the yale school of forestry and environment on environmental sciences and then uh, you know she worked for a green tech company in san francisco worked for one in nairobi so lots of things happening and i'm so happy and you know the great thing is i learned so much from them because i know nothing about what they're doing so that's one of the reasons i'm an angel investor i need to keep up with my kids <laughs> so they can't bsv me thought daddy tujhko kuch samjhega nahi i said yeah show me your ebitda and show me your business plan and what's your mvp so they can't take me for a ride uh, so i i think that's fine anyway you know so i think the great thing is you need to keep up you know you started building passive uh-huh. income by investing in the stock market so when did you switch from doing that to taking more risk and investing in startup ah so i haven't that's exactly my point i haven't switched anything okay all these are parallel tracks so most of my money is still very much in the public listed markets thank you very much and whatever surplus income i generate from that i use for angel investing my professional income i would never put in a startup trust me that's hard earned income by just sweat and blood and tears wo koi startup mein thodi dalne wala ho but i mean i understand money is fungible but kuch bhi karo thoda emotional bucketing to sab log karte hai 
And I'm not saying money is easy come, easy go. And I don't burn my money. I'm a Marwadi. But uh, I'm kind of much more willing to risk that, if you know what I'm saying. So most of my money is still very much listed space. But I also understand what I don't understand. So, I, you know, I don't have the energy to sit, listen to investor calls. And I can read a balance sheet and this thing. But I don't want to sit and read annual reports and look at the fine print of what the auditor's qualifications are. I know enough to do that, but I don't want to do it. I find it boring. So my money gets managed by uh, my family office, uh, which which does which takes all the decisions. I'm terrible at pulling triggers with a lot of that stuff. You know, behavioral economics, all this stuff. And doctors think they're over smart anyway. So that I outsource, and then whatever the money you generate uh, will then get deployed. And I have an analyst who keeps me honest, plays devil's advocate, saying, "Dr. Malpani, don't be an idiot." Because then what happens is every time as an angel investor hat, you fall in love with the entrepreneur because entrepreneurs are charismatic and they're going to change the world. And so it's very easy to fall in love. And then very easy. And I've burned my fingers often enough. So I, I try not to fall in love so quickly. And anyway, my analyst keeps me honest. Uh, when did the first uh, such investment happen? How did that happen? long back and didn't turn out well at all. So like I said, I've been blessed. Lots of friends. So one of my friends is Rajesh Jain. He ran, uh, you know, one of India's first digital this things called India World. And he sold it to Satyam and made lots of money. And uh, this was in the dot-com boom days where we said healthcare needs to be fixed. You know, all doctors are dinosaurs. We need to provide patients with personal health records. This was in the good old days. Huh? Uh, so we would effectively give them clever cards uh, with SIM cards. And, you know, you'd put all the medical records. And this was a company we funded in Bangalore messed up completely because you know uh two hands off different geographic locations so learned lots of things but that was way back when was it 2000.com kya ho gaya 2000 yeah yeah so that burned my fingers once then there was an other company in which i was the board of directors this is very high profile this had rama bijapurkar and ashok uh this is the guy who uh, uh ashok wadhwa who runs a you know a very successful P firm? Which we this is the dot com day, so we need to provide we need to create a portal. Everyone's creating portals, and if it works in the US, it'll work in India. But but that was a like a good investment, or again it went bust. No no none of these. Uh, so again, see I I measured investments by learning on investment, not return on investment. I don't expect to make any money on all this stuff. So learning on investment, great. <laughs> return on investment, big fat zero. And that was a lot of money for me in those days. But okay, you know, live and learn. And then, so I said, I can't afford to keep on burning my fingers like this. So one of my friends introduced me to Mumbai Angels. And by, you know, then there's a network and a lot smarter people who understand a lot more. And, you know, at least I don't make the same mistakes twice. So signed some checks, learned from them, read the few books. And now I do most of it through my family office. Uh, and And part of it is also now... Part of what I think is one of the things which the Indian startup ecosystem doesn't do well is share information. Uh, entrepreneurs don't blog enough. Investors don't write enough. And that's one of the things I wanted to change. And that's why we had all that LinkedIn stuff and a blog and, you know, what's of investors perspective. I said, we need to walk our talk. We need to be open and transparent. And that's very good because then, in, you know, entrepreneurs can call me out. Yeah, but entrepreneurs can call me out. 
So I can't even afford to do that. Because <laughs> if I do that, I'll get into trouble, which is good. So we want to be open, transparent. This is our process. This is what we expect from you. Anyway, so then there was there was still a third investment which went down to zero very quickly. This was a friend who said, yeah, yeah, this guy is great. He's an IIT grad. He's done this clever thing. I said, ah, you say it's good. Yeah, check it out. I never saw the guy again. The initial checks, uh, the first one with the netcore thing in 2019 was fairly large. It was about two crores. The the portal one was smaller. The the one, I think this was about seven, eight years ago in this company. It was called Urjas, which was, uh, you know, biofuel kind of company, which was about 50 lakhs. But I was the sole angel investor and didn't understand much. Anyway, so burned my fingers. And then, like I said, did it through the network and, uh and now i'm much more comfortable and and i'm looking for contrarian bets i'm kind of saying i have no right to win against vcs they have far more money in a far deeper network but the right i have to win is i can take contrarian bets with patient capital why didn't you give up after burning so much money like you burnt close to three crores maybe like you know what what made you say i, I want to continue that learning but that learning is priceless I said, now that I've made the mistakes, the least I can do is learn from them and, you know, not repeat them again. And if nothing else, I'll make some new ones. So my wife has been married too long to me to uh, divorce me for doing stupid things. So, okay, you know, she turns a blind eye. So that's okay. And uh, again, like I said, some of it was also because of my daughter. You know, she was doing all this angel investing in this fund of funds in big society capital in London. So I said, yeah, social entrepreneurship makes so much sense. Hey, you're doing it in London. Why the hell don't I try doing this in India? Uh, so, so many things. And, you know, and I'll also tell you one thing. When you reconstruct some of these things now, Akshay, you often reconstruct them incorrectly. Uh, like I said, my mind will play all kinds of games. So, but, uh, man, okay. Uh, and, uh, and, the, you know, the only reason people become angel investors or the only good reason they should become angel investors is for emotional reasons. Again, people think I'm an idiot when I say that. next Uber, I said, where is that replicable? I mean, if Sequoia and Matrix can't replicate and, you know, they have to take so many portfolio bets because they don't know what's going to happen. What gives me the right to do any of that stuff? So I don't pretend. Life is probabilistic, full of uncertainty. These are complex adaptive systems and answers will emerge. I don't care. I just want an entrepreneur who's, who has integrity and will not shaft me, who has humility uh, and will be willing to learn from me, who has curiosity and is willing to learn for himself and is willing to teach me. And we will try to live that and, you know, uh, this thing. So therefore, we will. Therefore, we are very vocal about you know. So all this stuff is available on our website, which is malpaniventures.com. We've created startupmentors.in because the reality is there's so much rubbish which has, happens in the startup ecosystem, just like it happened in the medical profession. And I'm happy to call people out. And you know, the good thing is I can afford to do it, Akshay. I don't have to keep anyone happy. Uh, you know, no VC dares talk aloud. You give them four drinks and then you talk to them in a bar and they'll tell you a completely different story about the politics within VCs and how they shaft each other and all kinds of stuff. But on their face, you know, the most charming people you could possibly meet. The reality is very different. And I can say what I want because 
you know, I mean, I'm just being honest. I've burned my fingers often enough for saying what I want. We'll come back to that afterwards. But my wife says, you're an idiot, you're never going to learn. Uh, I said, okay, what's going on? I'm a Buddha, what's going on? What's going on? So how much do you typically write as check now? Like a very comfortable writing between 50 lakhs and 2 crores. And again, our, our philosophy is all online. We prefer doing it in tranches. And a lot of it, we let the entrepreneur run. I hate micromanaging people. I'm very lazy. Uh, so we, I think of myself a, as a catalyst. And B, uh, because we are open and transparent, this is what we expect from you. And we assess two things. One is attitude and the second is performance. Uh, attitude is very easy. Does this guy send us MISs? Do I have to you know, keep on pinging him, reminding? Does he hide stuff? Which means, just second check to not write anything. You're doing very well. Great for you. You sell out, I'll sell out. I, you know, I, I, mean, I don't have the patience and the energy to deal with people whom I think are toxic and who don't respect me. Uh, performance, like I said before, I'm much more forgiving because at the end of the day, I only care about process. I can't care about outcomes because I know that in my daily life as an IVF doctor, no matter how good a doctor I am and no matter how much I do, I can never predict which patient will get pregnant and which don't. Because the, I can make great quality embryos in the lab. Implantation is a black box. I can't control that. And that's true for you know the startup system as well. That that's an amazing uh, way to look at this, you know, that you are birthing startups as as a parallel to the way you birth. But, you know, I do a lot of I do a lot of presentation. I actually tell people doctors make good angel investors. And one of the things you're taught is empathy. I mean, you know, by the time you finish medical college, it's already been squeezed dry out of you is a completely different thing altogether. But part of the reason you became a doctor is you want to help people, right? So you, you care, you want to be kind, you want to be seen as someone who's helpful. So I think, I think doctors have that uh, empathetic streak in them. And because, like I said, I've been fortunate, I see patients on a daily basis and I don't have to do a lot of rubbish, which other doctors are forced to do. I can still afford to put my patients first. So in my... Angel investing hat, I think I'm putting my entrepreneurs first, plain and simple. So we want our entrepreneurs to win. And my hope, my hope is that if I'm good to my entrepreneurs, they will help me to win also in the process and they won't shaft me. And that's a leap of faith. And some of them will. And, you know, my hope is that my ability to identify good entrepreneurs will progressively increase over time, which is why I will continue doing this Akshay. AI, my hypothesis, I'm getting better at identifying them. B, I have a higher public profile, so it's easier for the right entrepreneurs to come in touch with me. We have a much better defined process, which we learned the hard way. We have a brand which stands for something. And we made so many mistakes that we won't repeat them again, hopefully. Let me ask you on details on these things. So you said you're uh, getting better at identifying entrepreneurs. So t- tell me about that. How do you We all delude ourselves that we are getting better, don't we, Akshay? <laughs> you know, I always tell people the easiest person to fool is yourself. I'm a big believer in what I call metacognition. That I need to think about the way I'm thinking. And am I fooling myself? And often I am. And I'm fairly kind with myself. I allow my entrepreneurs to get away with stuff. I allow myself to get away with stuff too. Uh, so, yes, what do we do? So, we follow a process. 
we actually put hurdles in their way and we see how they respond. So, so, so effectively, uh, we will expect a certain degree of discipline on their part. So you want to talk to me? I'm very happy to talk to you, but I want an email. I want it in writing. I don't want you to charm the pants away off me and then get the check. I want to see if you're disciplined enough to formulate your thinking. Because if you can write clearly, obviously you can think clearly. And if you can't be bothered to write clearly, then maybe you think clearly, but I don't want to take that leap of faith. And I've had so much flack and criticism about this. Oh, you're so snooty. What happens to all the guys who can't write English well? You know, all kinds of this thing. But I said, look, that's a basic skill. I don't know. You better learn it. And therefore, I want everything documented. If you can't be bothered to understand what a pre-money valuation is and, you know, then why the hell are you coming to me as an angel investor? So, A, I want proof that you've done your homework. I don't want to sit and spoon feed you for the rest of your life. So, stuff like that. And sometimes, I won't say we're deliberately rude, but the reality is email is very black and white. Sometimes we don't intend to be rude, but people could misinterpret as that. And people who choose to interpret my actions as rude are, again, red flags. You expect to receive like a comprehensive pitch which has like a business projection and a business. With pre-money value. And then a lot of people will say, Arey, NDA sign karo. Ye sab confidential hai. Go find someone else. All this, the fact that you are asking for an NDA itself is, huh, that means I don't need to give you my money. So A, you come with a business pitch and no revenue. I'm not the right guy for you. Then you need to convince me that, you know, why I should still invest you as a pre-revenue. And remember, I make my rules, I break my rules. I'm very happy bending them. But then I need you to prove to me that, you know, they're worth breaking in your case. And you have the revenue, then share with me. And you don't want to share with me, then go find someone else. Because if you don't trust me enough, you trust a stupid piece of paper called an NDA and not my word, uh, you know, then obviously you don't respect me enough. And if you're going to treat me like you treat all other investors, then don't come to me. Go find someone else. And if you're going to ask me for an NDA because that stupid incubator or your mentor who's charging you 5000 or 10000 for giving you advice is telling you what to do, then I don't want to talk to you. So that is step one, that you want a detailed... Yeah, so that's great because, you know, that's like such an effective filter. So 90% to high would jate. Then what's next step? Ah, So then we say, okay, these are the guys who fit what I think makes sense. And, you know, I don't care about IIM. Mean, that's all rubbish. How do you shortlist? Like, say, you've received, uh, let's say, maybe 50 pitches in a month, uh, which are detailed enough to cross your first hurdle. I, I, I wish entrepreneurs were that. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the guys who've reached that stage will not even want to come to me. They'd rather go to a VC. There are lots of advantages of going to a VC as compared to Dr. Malpani. And there are lots of advantages going to an angel in network as compared to going to Dr. Malpani. So I tell everyone up front, hey, you know, I don't think I'm the right investor for you, which is fine. So who, whom are you the right investor for? A, I'm the right investor for a social impact entrepreneur who cares about doing stuff on the long term who is looking for an angel investor who thinks of himself as being a partner in the journey, who doesn't care about an exit in five years, who doesn't want to burn his money either, but is happy to let you be the captain of the ship. Uh, and, you know, actually, I'm very happy when people have gone and tried raising money from other people because then they appreciate the fact that we can provide large sums fairly quickly. 
So effectively, again, and so we usually share stuff with them. We say, read this book. This tells you where my what my philosophy is or where I'm coming from. And if you think this makes sense, and we're not right for lots of people. Lots of entrepreneurs create startups which are VC designed. They're designed for VCs to invest in because they want to grow on 10x on this thing. So that's great, but that's obviously wrong for me. So very easy to say no to lots of those. Uh, easy to say no to the ones who are obviously lying, hiding information, using vanity metrics like GMV and stuff like that. So, and then of the ones I find interesting, so then I share some emails. As in you ask them for more information or something and then you see how quickly they give that to you. Okay. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, paise lene ke pehle jawab nahi dega to paise lene ke baad kya karega bhagwani janta hai. Maybe I'm being unfair, but you know, I mean, come on, at the end of the day, I have to use some heuristics to be able to sort out. I'm not saying my heuristics are perfect, but they work for me. I mean, could I develop a better set? Yes. Will I continue developing a better set? Yes, trust me. But as of now, this is what it is. And, you know, five years from now, I may look back and cringe. What an idiot I was. But okay. All of us are idiots. And I'm sure in 2025, I'll be an idiot of a different sort. That's all. So then once I've done that, then I will. Ah, so then, like I said, and then I hand off to my analyst. Who then has a strict process which he follows, which we share with our entrepreneurs. So he can't let the ball drop. The analyst does what? Like for the due diligence, he needs data. Yes, absolutely. He this is these are the 10 steps we need to follow. We need to talk, we need to look at your accounts, we need to talk to your customers, we need to talk to the rest of your team members. That's all good stuff which you already know. I mean, that's very generic, but it's shared. It's shared with the entrepreneur. So he can prepare for all this stuff. Because, you know, we don't want to waste our time chasing people who are not right for us also. All this consumes bandwidth. We'd rather focus on, because the poor guy has enough to do managing the existing portfolio, which typically in an existing portfolio, 80% of, you know, entrepreneurs are good. It's just 20% who will uh, drain all your energy, not sharing stuff. Partly because they're ashamed, partly because, you know, Dr. Malpani, kya kahega? Kuch nahi kahne wala hai. You know, shit happens. I understand that. Uh, but, you know, trust me enough that I will not give you a hard time. I may not sign another check. That's a different issue. But if the only thing you see of think of me as a source of funds, then obviously, you know, I've done a bad job. Okay. So how, how do you invest? Like you give them like what percentage of money up front and what, what is the... So, you know, all rules of thumb and like I said, all very, very flexible. So again, a lot of this is going to be very misleading. Because the beauty, you know, the thing is about being a VC is everything is written in stone because you made promises to your LPs and then the analyst has to go and convince his boss, which is usually the GP, why this is a good idea. And then the GP has to convince an investment committee. So they're very, very uh, uh, constrained. My constraint is the size of check I can write. But, you know, fortunately, I have a lot of dry powder. Uh, the markets have been kind. So we, we bend rules all the time. So again, and Mota Moti, we've written what our sweet spot is and we share it. But that doesn't mean that, you know, so for example, our sweet spot for a company would be, let's say, pre-money valuation of about seven or eight crores if you're earning revenue. Now, obviously, if you're earning more revenue, then that's no longer a relevant met metric. Use your common sense. And it's perfectly, and the good entrepreneurs will say, yes, Dr. Malpani, I understand this is Falana Dikana. And they earn my respect because they've done their homework on me. 
and they know okay this is why this is what it is but i think this is why we deserve to be made an exception of for the following reasons and then ultimately every everything is a negotiation you convince me you're right and you know big picture mein kitna farak padne wala hai kya farak padta hai but show me how well you negotiate then that's what i meant about you know putting guys through hurdles uh, you negotiate well you try to create a win win where i stand to benefit then you know boss okay you're okay. if you if you want to keep all the gravy to yourself then at some point you will shaft me when it's your next round or whatever else i don't want to talk to you those are those are those are some things so we'll make an offer wait for a counter offer teach them how to negotiate what is the stake that you look at like for for when about 20% okay. but again like i said all very very variable it should be enough that you know it makes a worthwhile it should move affect my needle one way or the other otherwise why the hell am i wasting my money so like like say you uh, commit to a startup that you'll invest 1 crore for 20% then how do you disburse this like uh, typically we say take it in two tranches because i i always think having less money makes you smarter having too much money makes you do dumb things so we said look you know i'm a man of my word we're giving you that you, you tell us what metrics you going to meet with 6 months of funding you decide huh? i'm not telling you how to run your business you meet those metrics i'll disburse the second check suppose you don't meet them you know i'm not uh, i'm not shylock i'll still go ahead most probably because we don't want to kill you but then you'll have to explain to me but at least you will be much more focused and much sharper and i think especially for young fragile startups they need a lot more hand holding and monitoring so ultimately we say look we're doing this in your best interests if you think it's not in your best interest then don't come to me because we think it's in your best interest because having that kind of oversight in a 30000 foot view so we can pick up where you're going wrong early on so you don't burn too much money doing the wrong things so cost correction is that much easier we tell people look i'm on your side i've got skin in the game i've given you a check but you know what happens is afterwards people distort perspectives then some mentor will come and tell them are yaar dr malpai tumko gada banaya चीट किया है बहुत कम पैसा दिया वैल्यूएशन बराबर नहीं दिया हाँ तो जब वो पैसा रेस कर रहा था तब तो तू कुछ कर नहीं रहा था सो वी सी अलॉट ऑफ दिस आल्सो व्हिच इज फाइन सो लाइक यू नो व्हाट इज द वैल्यू एडिशन दैट यू प्रोवाइड टू एन एंटरप्रेन्योर वन ऑफ कोर्स यू इज दैट यू गिविंग मनी नो डाउट अबाउट दैट एंड देन यू आर गिविंग देम सम टारगेट्स टू चेज बिसाइड्स दिस व्हाट ऑल नो नो दे आर सेटिंग देयर ओन टारगेट्स एंड नॉट मी सो व्हाट वी टेल देम इज अ सिंपल ऑपरेशनल स्टफ यू डू इट योरसेल्फ बट दिस लुक्स वे आउट और दिस लुक्स दिस थिंग बिकॉज़ यू नो वी सीन अदर बिजनेसेस नो वन गुड थिंग इज माय फैमिली ऑफिस इन्वेस्ट्स इन द लिस्टेड स्पेस आल्सो so because we are investors in listed space in that same domain there is a lot of cross learning so we can tell entrepreneurs look this is what a listed space guy thinks of this is the way he thinks about his industry at his perspective so they may not respect me but they will respect the ceo of a 100 crore company which you understand what mm, i'm saying right 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 so therefore and we encourage them you know buy a share in the company listen to the investor calls at some point you know you want to be in this guy's shoes 10 years from now but so we have we bring that perspective as to what you need to be looking at as you grow over 5 to 10 years so we we focus a lot on corporate governance we kind of we think of ourselves as kindergarten teachers we're making you ready for middle school or junior school or whatever they call it these days 
you know, so that by the time you're ready for your next round, you know, the next round of investors, whether it's a VC or whoever else, will have no problem signing a check. He'll mostly have a problem signing a check because Dr. Malpani says such terrible things about VCs, <laughs> but not about that particular VC. No, sorry, kidding apart. But, uh, but, uh, but you know, so therefore, okay, yes, you know, all your paperwork is in order. You filed everything because a lot of startups, entrepreneurs haven't done this before. They're so focused on revenue targets and stuff like that. They, they forget about things like company culture. They forget about things like, you know, filing returns on time and stuff. And we tell them, boring stuff, but needs to be done, boss. Hygiene to manage karna hi padega. Haske kar, roke kar. Aur nahi dhang se karega, to rulayenge. So, as in, you, your team would be doing calls with them where they would discuss these Yeah, of course. So, we expect certain stuff from them. So, we expect, after we've signed the check, we expect a monthly MIS. Uh, yeah, of course. And we say, look, don't do the MIS as a favor to me. You should do the MIS because it's your company. You need to manage it. And then we will tell you, you know, these are the assumptions we made. That's the first spreadsheet on your this thing. Were those assumptions right, wrong? What are you tweaking? Then your financial spreadsheet, which is the easy bit, but which often a lot of them find very boring. But we teach them how to do that. But the more important thing is the operational metrics and what are the leading indicators. So how do you break up your channels? How do you think about them? Do you break them up by geography? Do you break them up by domain? Which are the important ones? Are you focusing too much energy on stuff which is actually not relevant? Do you follow the Pareto rule? Uh, you know, because we're not in the trenches and we won't, we don't want to be in the trenches and we won't tell you. And if you think what we're telling you is, you know, we're being idiotic, please call us out. We're happy to learn. That's why we're giving you the check. Okay. So can you give me an example of entrepreneurs who really impressed you? You know, it, it, the it going through the process that you've laid out. So don't forget the process itself has also changed right, over right, time. Right. So I didn't have such a detailed process when I was a part of Mumbai Angels. <laughs> we had no process. Mumbai Angels, you put your hand up. Yeah, yeah this sounds great. I'm signing. <laughs> so, but you know, so you learn a little bit. But uh, yeah, but so a lot of my entrepreneurs are, trust me, two steps ahead of me. And I love that. And, you know, entrepreneurs often don't respect investors, but they respect other entrepreneurs. Mm, right. So we will tell them, you know, fine, why don't you talk? And we tell we tell all incoming uh, these things, you know, do your due diligence on me. Talk to the investors. Uh, talk to the investors we've co-invested with. Talk to the entrepreneurs we funded. You know, are we good guys, bad guys? Maybe we'll, you know, maybe we'll give you less money than you want, but we'll help you deploy it far more intelligently you know what you actually don't require two cross to do what you think you're doing don't dilute so much at this stage we'll show you how you can do it frugally in one crore so many things but some of that is intangible but yeah so i have a soft corner for certain companies all of us do so one of the ones i love is multibhashi and you know i always tell the founder of multibhashi who's anuradha agarwal your problem anuradha is you've spoilt me because now every entrepreneur comes i use your yardstick so in in what way did she so what what did you like about her yeah she she actually cold called me from linkedin uh didn't bother to get a warm introduction and i love that you know i mean who cares about iit and iim networks and stuff what will they do maybe they'll open a door but you know after entering the door boss you still have to do your work for yourself and all her groundwork was in order and she knew as much about me as i share online and she was doing something I found extremely attractive, uh, you know, basically teaching people how to speak English. 
and how do you do that? And you had a paid model and a free model, and, you know, 50 different things. And she's always been two steps ahead and remarkably frugal and uh, remarkably willing to let her team members grow. So love that culture about her. And she's a woman and, you know, any woman entrepreneur has to be 10 times as good as a man to be able to get to any stage. Uh, so 50 different things. Okay. And how is the venture doing? Uh, so, you know, so am I happy? Absolutely. If she goes belly up tomorrow, will I feel sorry? Yes. I'll feel sorry not because I lost money. I'll feel sorry because the potential impact she could have had. But having said that, financially, she's doing very well. She raised the next round and stuff. But honestly, I think, what is the difference between the mark to market and exit or the money? These are vanity notional metrics which I don't care about one way or the other. I think they're all distractions. Okay. But I mean, I mean, my essential thing was like revenue-wise. Like, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, that's... Yeah, she's doing well, but what do I... No, how? I don't care. I would rather my entrepreneur made less revenue serving the right customers. You know, boss, you revenue to revenue, you will be Oversell car, missell car, patients, uh, parents are going students are going you know, ad ke upar, learning ke mein baat karna, hai. who really cares? Tum revenue badate jao, investor ko khush rakho. investor ko, next investor ko, you know, sell karna hai. And that's exactly what's wrong with our entire ecosystem. So, I mean, the reason to do a business is to, I mean, sell your sell your product or service and... So, to do it, do it unethically? Is that what you want to educate people? No, I mean, you can... Ah, to ethically bhi kar sakta hai, hmm, na? Absolutely. But time I don't have a three-year horizon. I don't need to raise my next fund. I can take a decadal perspective and that's the difference between that's the thing the stock up market investing has taught me that companies in the listed space will do well if you give them five years to do well. If you keep on churning your portfolio every six months or every one year, you're doomed to lose money. So my point again is I've learned a lot of lessons from listed space, which I can now apply to my angel space. I don't care if he loses money in three months or six months because they're trying an experiment which didn't work. But I'm not telling you double your revenue every three months or years because hey, guess what? Now I've got a Series D investor who wants to see these metrics. Arey yar, ye metrics achieve karne ke liye mujhko white hat ko acquire to karna hi <laughs> Haan, Of course, main white hat ko acquire kar sakta. Acquire kar diya to sida mera top line bad jata hai. Main sida USA mein meri geography bad gayi. See that so all these people do all what I think personally are very stupid, irrational things. But you know what? When you're a billionaire and you do them, they all seem very rational and stupid. Until, of course, the bubble bursts, which it always does. Tell me something. Why did you uh, take on Baiju's? I did not take on Baiju's. Please, Akshay. So, you know, look at my LinkedIn post. I've been posting on LinkedIn for 10 years. Of course, now that LinkedIn has taken me off, you'll have to go to my other site which is indianangel.in to see the archive of all my posts. So I'm, I'm an equal opportunity critic, okay? Now let me explain some of that. I only criticize stuff I care about. I don't criticize stuff I don't care about. So would I criticize a luxury company like, sorry, I don't even know the names, Versace or not? Of course not. I mean, they're doing what they're doing. Who cares? You know, they're making money from people who can afford to give it to them. Great. Let's learn from them. But I will criticize companies like Practo because Practo had an opportunity as a digital healthcare startup to fix the entire healthcare system. 
no vested interest you didn't have to give cards kickbacks what by worry about pharma all the you know all the rubbish which was going on you had tons of money you could have created a breath of fresh air and what did you do you sold out you you know instead of putting patients first you went and put you know you you maximized revenue your only way of making revenue was by creating a platform and selling the listings to doctors and hospitals so that so i have criticized practo i have criticized doctors i have criticized health like i said criticize corporate hospitals criticize the government often enough and why did you take because boss that's our future generation you know our generation has messed up this country we don't want the next generation to continue doing that and you have a dividend you have a demographic dividend you have a sweet spot why the hell can't you do good for this next generation these are your kids uh you know and then you hear about byjus so multiple things one is the work culture is extremely toxic fire hire get all these young graduates promise them the earth and the 10 lakhs zero experience boss koi bhi bakra ha bolega and then when they come treat them like shit but the trouble is that they expect to be treated like shit and they think that every company treats everyone like shit so when they become managers akshay and when they become managers for your son or your daughter as the case may be how are they going to treat your kid they don't know any better so toxic work culture propagates like a cancer so completely sick system and the trouble is you see the cancer and you keep quiet what does that say about people like you akshay because you want to be politically correct you don't have any courage of your convictions you don't have the backbone the spine to speak up because you are invested in that company and you are encouraging and a standard pass the buck corporate speak and then you're cheating the students and parents hey I mean, come on tablets in this day and age we talk about online learning and hey okay let's let, forget so all that stuff and so much misselling and pressure and fomo are yaar tere neighbor ne 5 uh, saal ka subscription liya hai you obviously don't care about your kid you're a useless parent and who do they target they will not target akshay dart or dr malpani they will target your driver who doesn't know any better poor guy and it's so easy to fool him and cheat him and you know create all these dummy questionnaires and offer 100% scholarships and so i said what i wanted to say and you know i actually told them look you have the opportunity to fix this uh you didn't do this with bad intent presumably you know making money is great please make it you know all the more respect for you for making money but don't sell your soul just in order to make money because you are a role model for all the other entrepreneurs who look up to you by you uh and you actually have the opportunity to fix this by saying you know we've healed a toxic work culture by making the following changes so they reached out to me the chief people officer actually publicly said thank you we're fixing the problem and then they stab me in the back so linkedin comes up and says you know you're making defamatory posts we're kicking you out no thank you no buy your leave no no process to be followed no in principle of natural justice no chance for appeal you signed our terms and conditions and in our wisdom we think uh, you know you're a useless guy you you contaminate our healthy professional network by saying all these things even if they're true the toxic we don't want toxic truth we just want you to say nice things about people uh, you can say lies if you want but as long as they uh, you know as long as they're nice that's okay so i said that's bs but effectively what linkedin has done is it has usurped my constitutional right to free speech okay was it like a permanent uh, yeah yeah permanent no response no reply they've not even escalated it internally 
It's the same guy saying, no, 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 finished. We don't care. You do what you like. Uh, okay, so I'll do what I like. Okay, so Mary Ni Suntai, Court of Public Opinion Ki Ni Suntai, journalists, Jutuchko request karte, please present your point of view, Unki Ni Suntai. To come sick of Indian High Court Ki to Sunega. Talk is soon fear. And to that extent, again, a lot of people, my wife said, why are you bothered? Kya farak pad hai? You're right, I'm not bothered. But I care about free speech. You know, if you'd asked me five years ago, would you be criticizing Baiju's? I wouldn't because I did, they weren't on my radar. If you'd asked me six months ago, will you be having a fight and filing a writ petition against LinkedIn in the high court? I'd say, obviously not. Could I have predicted any of this, Akshay? No. But I will not back off from a fight when I think there's a cause involved. You know, there is this uh, uh, terminology of horse versus jockey in investments. Like, you know, the horse being the entrepreneur or his team and the, sorry, the horse being the business uh, and, and the market yeah. in which it operates and the jockey being the entrepreneur and his team. So sure. what what do you bet more on? Everyone always bets on the jockey because in this, such an early stage enterprise, really the reality is that business plan which he shows you today is not going to be relevant two years from now because he'll be different. The You know, the market will be different. The environment will be different. Competition will be different. And therefore, you need someone who's resilient who can think on their feet and respond to it. So what is the importance of then making a business plan when you know that probably it will be like 90%? It shows me the guy can think, no? If he can't plan, to kya karega? Okay, so fair enough. You're saying the plan is a work of fiction. But if you have to fiction, you can't write it. If you fiction, you can't write it. So my point is, it's, it's, it's a basic competence which an entrepreneur needs to be able to display. And if he can't do that, then I have no confidence in him at all. Hmm. Right. Got it. Okay. Okay. And uh, so one uh, last question which I want to ask you. So what is uh, like what are some companies which you have not invested in, but you are a fan of those founders? Uh, in the real world, DMART, a lot of respect for uh, Mr. Damani and his CEO. They've done such a great job and such a straight shooter and they walk the talk. And I always tell all my entrepreneurs, this guy should be your role model, not the Baijus and the Flipkarts and all these guys. Because that's what you really want to create. You want to create a legacy. I'm also very fond of bootstrapped startup success stories like Zoho. Okay. Hmm. And Zerodha. Uh, yeah. So again, a lot of that stuff, I don't know enough, quite frankly. But I'm just saying, uh, you know, so the, the DMART story, I know quite a lot about. So that I can definitely say, you know, this is what you should be looking at. And the great thing is it's all public domain. Get the annual reports for the last 10 years, study them, figure out where they started, where they're going to find out what the magic source is. You may wonder, you know, where is the magic source in running a, a retailer, a grocery? But there is. How are they doing it, and why haven't they got onto the latest bandwagon? And lots of things, lots of things to be learned. And how do you keep yourself sharp? Like you know, how do you uh, like stay abreast of trends? And I'm very unsocial, Akshay. Uh, so I'm not very great at you know attending conferences. And of course, आजकल तो कोई करता भी नहीं है. So that just makes my life a little easier. But so I'm not great. I'm not a very social person. Books. Books, books, and more books. I think, you know, if I had to choose everything, anything, I read fiction, very eclectic. 
Uh, I read about social impact. I read about, and the great thing is, I always tell people if I had to choose between meeting the author of a book face to face for 60 minutes and reading the book, I'd rather read the book. And people say, "Whoa!" And I said, part of the problem is then when you talk to someone, half the time you're thinking about what am I going to say next to impress this fellow. So you're not you're spending enough time listening to what the guy has to say. And I'd rather be a fly on a wall listening to him having a conversation on a podcast rather than conversing with him. Hmm. What kind of books do you like? For a social impact entrepreneur, one of the books I recommend is called "Worthless, Impossible, and Stupid." Hmm. Hmm. It's like the best of him. Lovely title, isn't it? But honestly, the books I recommend change every two years or three years because there's always a new book around. And again, we share a lot of this stuff on our websites. And I always tell them one book I'll recommend. I will only recommend the second one after I read a book review by you on the first book, because the reality is that recommend भी करता हूँ कोई पढ़ता भी नहीं है, जैसे कोई मुझे कोई काम नंदा ही नहीं है, recommend करने के बजाय. So I'm happy to be helpful, but all I'm saying is that you know, uh, you should earn the right to ask people for help. And again, people get so pissed off when I say that. Yeah, but there are lots of people who hate my guts. Uh, lots of people say, "Great, Dr. Malpani, so happy LinkedIn kicked you out." You deserved it. How did they send you this, like through email or Twitter or something? Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, multiple ways. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. I said yes. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a politician. My job is not to keep as many people as happy for as long as possible. So, no, I'm happy that you're happy to see me go. I'm happy I added that happiness to your life. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, w- in terms of a long term aspiration like say how would you like to be remembered uh, 50 years 50 years from now you know ah so legacy issues are legacy issues legacy issues are extremely important so i would say i would like to be remembered as the guy who healed a sick healthcare system and hopefully a sick startup ecosystem but i don't know you know that's where the healership thing comes in that when you are a part of a system you can see what's wrong with it now it's not that everyone in the system can't see what's wrong with it but because they make money by being wrong or by predating or you know taking advantage of people's ignorance and naivete they refuse to call anyone else out but do you not believe in the power of free market to fix all problems of course not i'll come back to that and i'll share some books with you akshay to read why a lot of this free market this thing is all rubbish there is no such thing as a free market you know any government who sets the rules and decide what the playing field are like the trai for example and then you tell me the telecom industry is a free market then you're fooling me or you're fooling yourself and i don't know what it is so let's i understand the theoretical construct of a free market but in real life there definitely isn't one so the point is that there are lots of people within the industry who know that the industry is sick like a lot of is officers will tell you you know everything we do is wrong but they'll only tell you that after they're retired so i always tell people the sound of silence speaks far more louder than anything else so the fact that byju chose not to file a defamation suit against me in the high court which they easily have the money to says a lot about you know what they think about it and truth is the best defense against defamation and that why they chose to use a backdoor entry and got linkedin to do the dirty work for them and why linkedin doesn't care because hey what you know we are owned by microsoft which is a billion dollar us mnc so who cares about indians and their rights but theek hai abhi pyar se nahi sunne to you know high court ka sunenge what did your lawyers tell you about the probability of getting success in this case you know i don't even care if i win or lose 
because the outcome is not in my lawyer's hands. The, I'll, does he follow the right process? And if he followed the right process and I lose, so be it. Willing to live with that. But did I create a certain degree of awareness about why these systems suck and what's wrong with them? Fair enough. Was that my intended outcome? Perhaps not. But you know, what can I do about it? So possibly I think for me, the biggest takeaway from this conversation is about process versus outcome. Uh, I, I guess this must have been a, a major part of uh, being a fertility doctor that yes. you know you learn to accept that outcome is not in your hands and uh, I think, I think is in your hands. I think life teaches you that all the time we choose to learn it or not I mean even a parent as a parent you learn that no matter what you want you know your two kids aren't going to be carbon copies of each other and they all have a mind of their own so so many different things and I think part of the problem is people who are successful that success goes to their head and they overestimate how much they contributed uh, to, you know, their skill contributed. And they underestimate how important luck was. So I have no delusion. A lot of people ask me, to, Dr. Mahalpani, what have you done now? That your startup unicorn has So I said, I don't want any of my startups to become unicorns. That's not the reason I invest in them. Uh, you know, while zigging, if you zag or banta, I'm not going to be unhappy about it. But that's not my goal. That's a secondary outcome. So that was Dr. Malpani talking about birthing humans and startups. He's a prolific blogger. If you like this conversation, then you can read his posts on IndianAngel.in. And if you want to pitch your startup to him, then visit MalpaniVentures.com. If you like the Founder Thesis podcast, then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books, and drama. Visit thepodium.in, that is T-H-E-P-O-D-I-U-M dot I-N for a complete list of all our shows. This was an HD Smartcast original. Log on to hdsmartcast.com to listen to more such podcasts.